friends, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Great Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is a feature episode with Susan Wingate. Now, Susan and I have a number of things in common. Uh, I'll let you discover what those are during her interview. Uh, she's a very nice person and writes across a broad spectrum. I think you'll be both amazed, surprised, and hopefully intrigued when you hear the different kinds of books that she's written. Uh, but there is a through thread, as you'll discover. But before we talk to Susan, uh, we're going to hear from Lance Wright at Down and Out Books. And Down and Out Books is the sponsor of Wrong Place or Right Crime. It is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it from the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. That sounds like something you'd like. You can go to their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks.com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. And that journey right now involves hearing from Lance about the new releases from Down and Out Books in March. Hi, Frank, and thanks so much for having me back to talk about some new titles from Down and Out Books. Early in March, we're publishing the first in a new series by Andy Rausch, Hell to Pay, a diggy and stick crime novel, a book unlike anything you've ever read before. It's dark, dangerous, edgy, and laugh-out-loud hilarious. Buckle up for one hell of a ride. Later in the month, we have a first novel by Chuck Martin, titled Bad Guy Lawyer. Guy McCann is a mafia lawyer on the run from his former employer, who teams up with a back-alley doctor to track down Guy's old girlfriend, Blair, a syndicate girl working with a secret that could be their ticket to freedom from the mob. And the A Grifter Song serial continues with this month's episode, Dusty and Bent, by Trey R. Barker. Drawn back to Colorado on a personal matter, Sam and Rachel must confront a formative event from Sam's past, facing a man he did wrong. And unlike the long trail of marks they've left in their wake, this one wears a badge. Thanks again, and I'll be back next month to introduce your listeners to a new round of titles from Down and Out Books. All right. Thank you, Lance. Some interesting titles there. And as always, I'm very uh, proud of the continuing titles that uh, are coming out in the series A Grifter's Song. It's been a real pleasure to uh, contribute and edit that uh, series that I created, mostly because the varying authors have very different takes and styles and approaches uh, to the series, and so it's uh, just stayed very, very fresh. Uh, as long as we're talking about staying fresh and not staying in one place very long, uh, when it comes to fiction anyway, uh, that brings us right back to Susan Wingate. Had a great time talking to her. And uh, I think you'll enjoy this interview. Let's meet Susan. Well, hey, Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Frank, for having me. This is a real pleasure. Well, it's only fair. You were kind enough to have me on your podcast, Dialogue, a while back. And uh, that was great fun. And so, uh, you know, the least I could do is, is, is have you over uh, to my place. 
Absolutely. And I really appreciate it. And it was fun that Lance from Down and Out Books uh, popped in too. Oh yeah, that's right. He did, didn't he? And that's what we call foreshadowing folks, because we're going to talk about Lance and Down and Out Books a little bit later in the show. But I kind of wanted to start by just acknowledging that um, we have a couple of things in common. A little bit on the writing front, um, one of the books that you wrote of the laws could sit next to uh, many of my books in terms of color, shape, and style, I think. But, uh, uh, well, before I go on, am I correct there or am I reaching? No, no, no. It, it, it is definitely, uh, it's a, it's a murder mystery. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of gritty. It's noir. I would think it is. I mean, it's definitely noir and, uh, um, it's just really fun. It's dark. I love it, but it was my first novel. So, you know, I feel like my writing has improved quite a bit since then. And certainly my storytelling and plotting, but definitely, you know, it's a classic noir murder mystery. So it's a lot of fun. Right up my alley. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other thing we have in common, I guess, aside from both having a podcast is uh, hailing from the evergreen state, Washington state. Yay! <laughs> now you live on the <laughs> west side of the state though, right? Uh, way west, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm out in the water, actually, um, and very remote. We're, we live on San Juan Island. Um, there's three major islands in that archipelago, um, San Juan Island, Lopez, and Orcas Island. But there's many, many, many other little smaller islands. Some of them are inhabited, but most are not. So on the extreme west side of the state, and I hail from you can't get much further east uh, and still be in Washington uh, from Spokane. So uh, in different climates, different uh, political climates at times, I think, uh, but all the same state. Yeah. And, you know, um, I have to tell you, Spokane is near and dear to my heart. I was uh, I was asked to get married to my present husband, my present husband, my latest my, my latest, Let me put it that way, my latest <laughs> does he have an expiration yeah. date <laughs> he does we all do actually. <laughs> Good point. But yeah yeah but i was um we we uh got engaged there at the davenport actually oh, and yeah. uh premier hotel was, in downtown oh it's so romantic yeah it was lots of fun so i love spokane for many reasons it's a beautiful place a lot of the books I've written uh, are set in Spokane or a fictionalized version of it. And more than a few have have at least made mention of the Davenport. Uh, it's fun to work those uh, iconic locations uh, into the stories in a way that's organic. Uh, it gives people a real sense of place, I think. Yes. You write some uh, of your work in remote or small town settings. And I guess what struck me uh, the most about your catalog is it's very eclectic. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of suspense or thriller through almost all of them. Uh, so there is a through thread there uh, for sure, but some are, you know, feature uh, very young protagonists. Some are closer to YA. Some are closer to thriller. Some are closer to almost, I wouldn't say quite horror, but have that, you know, scary suspense element to them. Um, you're kind of, you're, you're very eclectic. You know, I can't help that. And I know that uh, my agent would prefer that I would be less eclectic, but I just can't help it. You know, when a, when a story, you know, strikes, 
and the character takes over, there's not much, I don't know, I'm sure you feel the same way. There's not much I can do about that, uh, that if a story wants to be told, it's going to get told. Um, and, and the one, the, the kind of scary one is the lesser witness, what you're talking about. Um, uh, and that was apocalyptic. That's apocalyptic fiction, mm-hmm. um, which was a ton of fun to write. And, and it kind of skewed into a little bit of fantasy. Um, so yeah, it's real cross genre, that one, um, thriller, apocalyptic fantasy, even, even Christian. Um, so it was, it was just like a whole bag of genre there. <laughs> well, it's, it's fascinating because a, a lot of people who like to do that tend more towards writing short stories that are very different and, you know, having, having that be the way that they hop around, uh, not as many folks do it with novels, but you've done it rather prolifically. You've got a, a good chunk of books here. Uh, maybe so people understand why I was so impressed at how, how eclectic that, that these different books are. Um, let's bump through them real quick and do like you know, log line type of stuff for each of them here. So people can hear how different they are, if you don't mind. And I think people are going to see exactly what I mean. And we'll go, we'll start with one you already said of the law is a noir tale. And the premise is. The premise is a very wealthy woman gets killed and um, it's a brutal lust murder. And uh, there's only one guy that can solve that. And he's a little bit of a potential suspect as well. Well, he's really hated her. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's pretty straightforward crime fiction there, right? Then we go to Troubled in Paradise, which is uh, subtitled A Love Story. So we're already moving on to something else. Uh, what's the <laughs> premise for that? Yeah, she, um, you know, it, and I always uh, said that this was more like a uh, a, a female um Spider-Man, if you will, but not in the latex, you know, outfit, spider outfit and and just a whole bunch of high school trauma. Um, it's a it's a bullying kind of a story, but with um, a lot of fantasy, um, her father dies and she's dealing with that death. So what uh, genre would you put that in if you were going to the bookstore? Yeah. That's definitely. Yeah. So then we get to the deer effect, which has a very cool picture of a lighthouse and a haunted uh, female figure on the front, uh, which is very fitting for the plot of of that particular book. Right. Yeah. The um, the woman is uh, is married and they are definitely not getting along. And she goes on out on a walk one day and is struck by uh, a fat boy motorcycle and is killed on the road she's with her dog at the time and um but uh she comes back to the story as herself as a young girl and with the dog and um through the dog and through her as a spirit they solve the the murder you know i i really had a feeling that i wanted this to be similar this is so not even close to similar to um the lovely bones but that kind of eerie type of mood and theme mm-hmm. and then you move on to the last maharajan did i say that right sure it's maharajan, maharajan. um the, the maharajan is a retitling actually of drowning which one um, a major award, a book award. Um, and, 
and it was and it's a story it's really a family relationship story there is a secret of course there's always secrets um but the mother is dying and um the uh the protagonist yuli winger has to go back and and find out what is going on and it shows so she goes back to where she grew up in phoenix she lives in uh in friday harbor i i've set most of these novels in friday harbor they're all part of um the friday harbor harbor novel um series so it's just a collection of stories that take place in one place but they're all different stories so there's no uh thread of a character yeah i've uh, i've heard that called a geographic series. In fact, that was a term that I first heard Lance uh, Down and Out use. Right, right. And, and it's fun. I mean, I really love this place where I live. And so, you know, and so the stories are just like incredible, but also the setting is so um, lush and uh, and the community is so strange because it's a small town, you know, and I'm from from Phoenix originally. So I came from a big city and I've been here for like 24, 25 years now. And, um, to be put into a small town from having been in a big city, most of my life is just like, uh, it's, it's, you know, you look at things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you, you are, I'm here, you know, I'm not going anywhere and I'm part of the community, but I still look at it as though it's something unusual for me, if that makes sense. Um, because, you know, I, I spent the better part of my life in Phoenix and grew up knowing city life. And then to be plunked into country life and small town life is so different. And I'm finding out things that were, are, are just unbelievable. I mean, I have many friends that are were born here, you know, and their families have been here for decades. And so, um, and there's, you don't pierce that veil. You just never do. If you are a, uh, you know, a local, which I'm considered a local, um, but not one of the old families or the old time. You're not a family local. (laughs) Right. Right. It's really fun. Yeah. I imagine you would be very well equipped to, to point out those things about small town life that that people from a bigger city would would be uh surprised astounded or or ponder and that people who live there it's just everyday life so they don't know anything different they don't see it any differently you know well i definitely do see it i do see the differences for sure there's small differences i mean i, I we lived yeah. in the city uh spokane's not nearly as big as phoenix but then we moved out into the country uh, a good, you know, 30 to 40 minutes out to the fringes of of Spokane. So it was out there a little ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to plan. You have to plan your grocery trips and every other trip or, you're, you know, you're spending all your time in the car between the city and your house. So you plan, like, I'm going to town, <laughs> you know, on Wednesday. So we're going to do this, 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 and then stop at the grocery store on the way out. And hopefully you remember everything. Uh, you know, nobody delivers pizza where you're at, you know, it's, you know, I mean, it's crazy how just, you don't, you take things for granted now that being out and away from the city, uh, sort of thing plays in pretty well to the next book I wanted to mention, which is way of the wild. And this one struck me as kind of, a another YA sort of leaning towards fantasy, uh, type of title. Am I getting the right read on that? 
Yeah, you definitely are. She's uh, 11 years old, um, Meg Knightley, and she um, basically gets lost, runs away into Fennel Forest and gets lost. And, um, and, and it's a, it's a story about, you know, uh, basically a a rescue and then uh, things go terribly, terribly wrong. But yeah, it's, uh, it, she's 11. So she's a little bit younger than what I would consider YA, but, you know, but your olds are pretty darn wise these days. So but yeah, yeah, that's a fun one. Definitely Christian fantasy. Um, I had fun writing that one. Now, this is a question I don't get to ask very often, given the subject of the show. You know, what, is it difficult or was it difficult for you to get in there and write a child protagonist? You know, I mean, is it in the first person or third person? I think most of it is uh, third person. Um, it may go back and forth. I do that an awful lot um, between first person and third person. I'm bad that way. <laughs> but um, but uh, it's not difficult, actually, to get into the head of uh, a young person since you've you know, we're all, we've all grown up from mm-hmm. that point and we all have those same inclinations. It's just that we tamp those down, those mm-hmm. inclinations down to be socially acceptable. <laughs> so, um, so no, it's really easy for me to get into the head of a young kid. Well, I think that's great. I mean, I don't think it is easy for everyone for sure. I think, yeah, we were all kids, but for for some people are are uh, absolutely irrevocably adults now in their thinking and they can't reconnect to their to who they were as a kid that's just not a just not a channel on their uh, on their TV anymore um, and so I, I think it's great that you're able to do that and be authentic the next book has a younger protagonist not as young as in uh, way of the wild uh, but the lesser witness is the post-apocalyptic one that you uh, referenced earlier. What's the what's the deal with that? What's going on in there? Yeah, the the protagonist is twenty three, approximately twenty three, and this one this is definitely um, like I said, this is the apocalyptic fiction, apocalyptic thriller, Christian fantasy, and and it it's a story about, of course, here on the island during an apocalyptic event. So the apocalyptic event is the inciting event, and then it's everything that happens after, and the um, event is basically a, a comet hitting, striking the Earth, and, um, and then the repercussion of that blast throughout the island, and then her, her attempts to survive. There are some bad actors on the island, and they're uh, getting desperate because of the event um and it's sudden and um complete so it is uh it makes it for a very difficult um life of course i mean many people die um and so we've got a real bad guy that has a group of other bad actors and uh croy justice has to uh make sure that she can stay alive and protect her what she has which is her boat and the animals that she has been able to save on her boat. Which that's a little bit of yourself uh, going in there, I think. I noticed on your website that it's very clear that you're uh, an animal lover, a wildlife lover. And so that must have been a little bit of the inspiration for her desire to do that. Well, you know, um, I have animals and wildlife. In fact, I've got deer, I believe, in every single book 
Um, I have a herd of deer that come every morning and in the evening for their food. <laughs> and I feed them and everybody tells me that I should not. And I've been doing it for a couple decades now, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, it is a federal crime, <laughs> but I don't think they're going to be charging my home anytime I, soon. I think it's pretty far down the list of priorities. For, I don't think that... <laughs> I, I, I don't think you're gonna have to worry about fish and game doing yeah. a, a search warrant there at your house. Uh, that is one yeah. of the things I miss about uh, when we lived out in the in the country. You know, it was we lived we lived in a rather undeveloped or hugely underdeveloped project called Whitetail Run Estates, which is what, which is a real fancy name for it. But they called it that because there were whitetail everywhere. I mean, yeah. herds and herds of them. It was. I, I never lost the wonder of it. I always enjoyed watching them and seeing them, and it was always a pleasant thing. But it was so commonplace, too. I mean, it wasn't pulled to the side of the road and gawk. It was just like watch them as you drive by or look out the window, and there they are in the backyard, you know. And, and Yeah. Uh, I have to tell you, conversely, so this is kind of the opposites theme that we've got going on as um, human beings. Ours are black-tailed deer. Oh. I didn't know that was a thing. I, I knew there were muleys. Yeah, I didn't realize there were. Yeah. Well, uh, three more books to go here uh, to get through the already released Susan Wingate catalog. And if you haven't bought into my theory that she's writing very eclectically yet, then you haven't been paying attention. Um, Storm Season uh, is the next one. And that was an award winner, too. Yeah, that one won the Book Excellence Award in the thriller category. Um, Meg Storm is the protagonist. She is grieving from the loss of her daughter, who is an adult child, approximately 30. And she has been, she died because of a drug overdose. Um, it's the, and, and on the island in Friday Harbor. So it is a uh, story about how Meg uncovers what actually turns out to be the, the crime of her daughter murder might be my favorite cover of yours here so far it's a very very evocative cover um, yeah i love that so your love of deer pops up again how the deer moon hungers makes its way into the title even uh what, yeah. what's that and that one won a couple of awards as well uh and what's that one about that book won eight awards and that's a YA novel. This one, my husband and I, this is before he started showing signs of dementia. This was when my mother was still alive and we were taking care of her. My mother had Alzheimer's and couldn't take care of herself. She was living with us. And Bob said, we need to go on a walk. And it was later in the evening. So by the time we, we were headed back home, the moon had lifted up over this bank of uh, fur, Douglas fur, and um, and it was a full moon. It was spectacular. And the story just unfolded. I mean, I started writing it. And, and while we were walking, he said, you're writing a story, aren't you? <laughs> and I said, yes. And I started telling him about it. And he was like, oh, that's you've got to write that one. You definitely have to write that one. And it's about a, a little girl who is um, it's a sister story. So there's two sisters. And Mackenzie Fraser is the protagonist, and she witnesses a drunk driver in his car kill her, and he runs her down. And um, 
she's right there and sees the whole thing take place. And it's the story of her grief and her recovery. Um, and it's, it's just, I really, I love that story. It's probably my favorite story so far that of the books that are out and published right now. Well, you bring up something that I, I, I wonder about sometimes, and that is what it's like to be the spouse of a writer. My wife's a teacher and <laughs> my first reader, and, and I bounce a lot of things off of her when it comes to stories and ideas and, and you know, have her read stuff and give feedback and everything. And it's an interesting relationship because she doesn't always tell me what I want to hear, of course. But it's also nice to have that person who is literally your biggest fan uh, on your side. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, you're right. They don't always tell us what we want to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. It's the best piece of literature I've ever heard. You know, ever read yeah. and they don't often say that but <laughs> for the most part I don't really share any unedited draft form uh, stories with him uh, so the final book in your catalog that's currently available is Bobby's Diner um, and this one is surprise surprise a little different than all the rest <laughs> now now yes it, it is it's a little bit, <laughs> it is a little bit different it's um it's not quite a cozy but but it's a cozy you know it's a cozy as far as i'm concerned because it's not um dark it's not brutal um it's a little bit lighter and there's a little bit of um a uh, a romance involved um but yeah uh it's a story about georgette carlisle who um is a chef at Bobby's diner. Bobby has died. He dies before the story actually takes place. And, uh, she, she isn't really aware of all of the, because, you know, she's new at the, at running the diner. She was the chef before he died. Um, but she's new at running the diner. What happens is so was Bobby's previous wife. Um, so she was the hostess. Um, Bobby was the chef. But things switched. Bobby became the the host and Georgette became the chef when he married Georgette. Well, when he dies, he leaves the diner to both his wives. Um, one, of course, is his ex. One is his is the uh, current wife. So, yeah, it's it causes a conflict. It pits two wives of the same man together. But then, and that should be enough, I would think, but, but something um, bad happens. Uh, uh, there's a, a, basically, this is an evil empire type of a story. And uh, Chariot International wants to um, buy it. They want to buy the land under Bobby's Diner. And the women do not want that to happen. So it's a, it's a fight and it's a lot of fun. Um, again, I consider it a cozy because there's there's no major brutality, but um, some people that have read it that read cozies all the time are like, oh, this isn't a cozy. <laughs> Somebody died. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, come on. People die in cozies all the time. I think it's... I know, uh... but I, I killed... Somebody ended up getting hurt on the page, oh, but, yeah. you know, you can't do that. But it's so light you know, as far as I'm concerned. Call it, call it a neo cozy. How about that? Like if we can have neo noir, we could have neo cozy. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, well, an impressive catalog, a very eclectic one. I think anybody listening 
would would agree. And I think it's great that you pretty much follow your, you know, what's speaking to you and, and you have found ways to, to have some through threads through all of your work. And so um, if somebody picks up one and reads it, then, you know, maybe another one is in a genre they don't normally read, but there should be enough similarity uh, in terms of, you know, sometimes the setting and certainly your writing style that um, if they enjoy one, they'll probably enjoy the other, even if it's out of their normal wheelhouse. And may I say something to that? Um, just those people that are listening to this, and thank you everybody for listening. It's a real honor to have somebody, you know, giving us time. Um, but anybody that picks up any of these that take place in Friday Harbor, I think Bobby Steiner is the only one that doesn't because I wrote that. That was my second novel. It got republished by the Wild Rose Press. All the other books are take place in Friday Harbor. And all of those places where the main character lives, that's this house and this property. So, um, so you'll kind of understand where I live when you read those books. Excellent. I think people enjoy that connection. Readers enjoy that. All right, we will get back to that interview with Susan Wingate in just a few moments. But now is the time on the show that I like to turn things over to the experts. And by experts, I mean, uh, well, last year or so, I've met other crime writers who have been on the show. Uh, And what are they an expert in? Uh, Book recommendations. In this episode, we're going to hear from David Temple, Matt Coyle, Kevin Tipple, and Scotty Andrews. Take it away, folks. I'm David Temple, author of The Imposter and The Poser, a Detective Pat Norelli thriller series. The book that I'd like to highlight is a book that ended up on my quote-unquote best reads of 2021 list, and it's by a, an author, Chris Swan, Christopher Swan. The book is A Fire in the Night. And the reason I liked it, it was, first of all, it was around 300 pages, which seems to be about my secret uh, sweet spot. But it was a great story about integrity, great characters, character driven, enough suspense to keep you flipping the pages. And it happened to be based in part of where I grew up, which is the North Carolina mountains. And Chris just has a masterful way of telling stories. And I cannot recommend it enough. That is Christopher Swan. The book is A Fire in the Night. Hi, this is Kevin Tipple of Kevin's Corner, and I'm back again today with another recommendation. This time I'm recommending Among the Shadows, a Detective Byron mystery by Bruce Robert Coffin. This is the first book of a police procedural series set in Portland, Maine, and the surrounding area. Detective Sergeant John Bryan and his team of detectives deal with internal politics, rivalries, and a murder case. One of the themes in this series is having to waste your time on doing administrative stuff like sitting around for comp stat meetings. Um, Detective Byron and his team get called out and he avoids a comp stat meeting where uh, they go to a house where uh, Mr. James O'Halloran, under hospice care due to terminal bone and lung cancer, and he's deceased. But it becomes clear it was not a suicide or a naturally caused death. 
somebody decided to help him along by forcefully applying a pillow over his face and suffocating him. The current hospice nurse is one of many suspects in the read. This is a really good police procedural series, and it's one of these series that you really should read in order because a lot like Frank Safaro's work, each one builds on the previous books. So check it out. That's Among the Shadows, a Detective Byron mystery by Bruce Robert Coffin. Hey, this is Matt Coyle. I write the Rick Cahill crime series. And for a great read going way back, I highly recommend The Long Goodbye by Raymond Chandler. Um, I couldn't tell you the year it was uh, published, but decades and decades and decades ago. But um, a great inspiration to me. And uh, I think it would probably be to any PI writer or mystery writer. Hi, I'm Scotty Andrews. I write uh, romance and horror and my book wreck. I have just been gung-ho on this author um, for the last year, Paul Tremblay, who writes horror fiction. And I came across his book, Cabin at the End of the World, which turns the cabin in the woods trope completely on its head. Um, and then I read his um, Head Full of Ghosts, which turns the haunted house trope completely on its head. And they were so well written and so enjoyable that I recommended them to my mother. And that's about the highest praise I could do because she is horror fan extraordinaire. So, uh, so the author is Paul Tremblay, T-R-E-M-B-L-A-Y. And the books of his, I've read a couple of them, but ones that stand out are Cabinet, The End of the World, and Head Full of Ghosts. All right, there you are, folks. Some great recommendations from some stellar writers, all of whom have been on the show. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the episodes that each of them appeared on and certainly check out their work as well as what they've recommended here today. Uh, speaking of today, well, let's dive back into that interview with Susan Wingate and hear about her podcasting. Now, you've done all of this writing but you've also been podcasting for 11 years now, which is like, that's getting in on the front end of this whole podcasting craze. The name of your podcast is Dialogue. And what got you started on that? What made you decide to start a podcast? Okay, so it was, uh, I met Joshua Graham at a writer's boot camp way, way, way back. And I think it was 2009, the fall of 2009. Um, it was a two-week, just military-style boot camp writers uh, retreat, and um, anyway, we we formed a, a friendship. And he lives in San Diego. He's an incredible author, and I live up here. But we kept in contact because we just hit it off, and um, so we would talk on Skype and discuss, you know, marketing and 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 characterization. We talk about writing just all the time. And so um, uh, we were talking about marketing at, at this one particular uh, moment. And he, um, he said, well, I wish there was a way that authors, because at the, that fiction authors, because at the time, fiction authors couldn't get a spot, a media spot, unless they wanted to pay for it. I'm talking like radio or, or a podcast for that matter. Um, you couldn't get those spots unless you actually paid money. And I'm talking like 250 and up, which is ridiculous. 
um, now, you know, it's wide open. And, but um, I said, well, why don't we start a podcast? And he said, well, how would we do that? And I said, well, we can do this and that and the other thing. And he said, let's do it. <laughs> and that's how it started. And so, um, you know, blog talk radio was the big thing back then. And so we started the podcast. He was he uh, did that with me as a co a host for three years and then he he had to um, start homeschooling his kids, and uh, and he got really busy. Um, he was doing other things as well. His wife uh, runs a Montessori school, and um, so they were very involved in that. Plus, he was writing full time, so it was like he was just way too busy. So he bowed out, but I kept going, and it's been like you said, eleven years, and it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, I I enjoy it for this very reason that we get to talk to other writers and agents and publishers. So it's a lot of fun. There are um, a lot of bonuses with having a podcast. You get to meet some really great people. Yeah, that has been a huge bonus. Um, and and you, whereas this podcast you know focuses primarily on crime fiction and its cousins, um, your podcast is pretty wide open, right? You talk to authors of all stripes. All fiction stripes. Mm-hmm. We, we, with fiction because of that very thing that and nonfiction you could get a nonfiction if you wrote a nonfiction book you were just like you know the red carpet was rolled out but not for fiction it was very closed door for some reason I'm not quite sure why but um, so yeah we stuck with fiction um, and and I think it's really great too because you know um, everybody wants to talk about their books everybody wants to um, let people know that they write. And how they write and how they go about writing, you know, so it's it's a real good thing for people to be able to come on for writers of all fiction stripes to be able to come on and uh, have a voice and a platform. And you do that live, which I think is very brave uh, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Dialogue is the name of the show. And but people can listen to all the episodes on demand as well. So uh, you can go to SusanWingate.com and there's a podcast tab there that has all the information and uh, you can even sign up to get notifications and, and so forth. Uh, you've had some big names on this show. I mean, I'm looking just at the few examples that you give here, you know, Jeffrey Deaver, Scott Turow, uh, Elizabeth George, W. McCumber. I mean, and the list goes on that. That's the kind of neat thing that, that I've enjoyed too, is I've got to meet some of my favorite authors before I was even a published author, you know, and talk to them and try not to fanboy out. And that's been, that's been the biggest challenge at times. It is the biggest challenge. And I fanboyed out, fangirled out with Scott Turow and Jeffrey Deaver. I was a big smudge. I couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it. I was, you know, and I've been writing mm-hmm. for years and been published for quite a few years. And uh, still, though, there are those icons, you know, and they are to be um, esteemed for sure. Well, the nice part about a show like yours and and this show as well, I think, is that uh, you know, people either get to hear from one of their favorite authors or somebody that they like, and they get to learn something about them or whatever that they maybe didn't know already, or they might discover a new author and, you know, check that person out. And that's why I feel good about this show is that I know it does introduce some people to some authors and gives that them that opportunity for that reader writer connection that we, that we all like. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've read many of Scott Turow's books, um, Jeffrey Deaver as well. And so um, to be able to actually talk to them about their writing process and what they look for when they're characterizing, what they look for when they're plotting, you know, it was a whole, it opens up just so much more to when I jump into their next book, I know them just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, right. That's exactly what these shows do. Well, you spend a lot of time as the host featuring the authors on your show, and you're very good at that. And my experience on your show is, I mean, you feel like a rock star when you're the guest, and so you're very good at it. Um, but you're going to get an opportunity to be the rock star yourself here uh, coming up in 2022 at a rather large book club event. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I actually forgot that you were going to bring this up, and thank you so much. Uh, but yes, I'm thrilled. Um, Hope Wood Queen Book Club um, is a huge, huge book club. Uh, they're worldwide, millions of readers, millions of members, author members as well, but mostly readers throughout the world. They are featuring How the Dear Moon Hungers, and I couldn't be more excited about that. I couldn't be more honored uh, to be picked up. You know, they're they're picking up people like, you know, Sumon Kid and, and, you know, uh, Delia Owens and those types of people. And so to be included with names like those um, is a huge, huge honor for me. And I'm just thrilled about it. Well, and it's nice to see the, the person who promotes authors get a chance to be promoted herself. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, before- and you know what, Frank, I love it too. I love helping people if in this is a small way, really, you know, it's a very small way, but I love it because it gives people the chance to really, um, talk about it. They can download the the shows, they can put them on their website, they can do whatever they wish at media. So, you know, and that helps too to get that media information out and, um, and, uh, socially, you know, and as the host, it, it is very satisfying to get a chance to contribute in even just a small way to somebody's success. Uh, and, and like I said, to make that connection between a reader and a writer is, uh, you know, you, you, to be the matchmaker, so to speak. Um, but uh, before we go, I did want to talk about one last thing, and that is uh, what's up next for you. You've got a new book coming out in June uh, called When You Leave Me. I do, and you know the publisher. <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> I'm so excited about working with Down and Out Books, and you've worked with them before and have books with them. Um, Lance Wright with Down and Out Books, he is incredible, and he's so smart as regarding all of the, the steps of publishing, but he's excellent at marketing. So that's a really wonderful thing to have for an author um, we're working through, uh, all of the edits. In fact, I just got it back to them, the book back, the manuscript back to them yesterday, um, with the edits applied. And so they have that back. And again, that's when you leave me and that's coming out. I think he said the 5th of June. I'm always wrong on that. It might be the first, <laughs> I don't know. I have got to look at my dates, but, um, very early in June. And the reason is, is because, um, June is Alzheimer's Awareness Month, and um, When You Leave Me is a story about, and it's a it's a it's a mystery thriller. It's a story about a woman whose husband has dementia, 
and he goes missing. So it, I'm really excited about this book. Um, it's, it's fun. It's, it's scary. It's eerie. And I hope it keeps people awake at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't sound like a very nice thing to say, <laughs> unless you mean turning pages. Hey. Reading. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, I've been looking forward to talking to you for quite a while, Susan. I had a great time on your show. Lots of great information here. So, folks, uh, if you like pretty much anything fiction, uh, darn near, uh, at least with an edge of some kind, uh, you can find your jam on. Uh, on Susan Wingate's uh, uh, website, susanwingate.com, uh, Dialogue, the sh uh, the podcast we mentioned, check that out. Um, and we'll all be looking forward to When You Leave Me coming out from Down and Out Books in June of 2022. Uh, Susan, I want to tell you, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Frank, for having me. I appreciate it. All right, folks, there you are, Susan Wingate. I told you she was nice. I told you that she had a wide range of books, and I'm sure there's something in there that will interest almost everyone. So if any of that grabbed your fancy, please check out Susan. Definitely check out her podcast as well. Uh, it's a great place to discover uh, new writers, uh, not necessarily just crime fiction but all across the fiction spectrum. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, while I read a ton of crime fiction, I do like to mix it up and uh, work other things in occasionally to keep it fresh. All right, a quick Zafiro update for you. As Lance mentioned at the top of the show, the new episode of A Grifter Song, Dusty and Bent by Trey R. Barker, is now available. So check that out, as well as the previous two dozen episodes, if you enjoy those characters. Uh, as I mentioned uh, last episode, my novella, A Village of Strangers, uh, written under my uh, given name, Frank Scalise, is now available. This is not crime fiction. It's a little more mainstream, kind of dark, but also uplifting, and a story that uh, has been banging around in my head since the early 2000s. So A Village of Strangers by Frank Scalise, now available, and now available for pre-order, the anthology, The Tattered Blue Line. Short Stories of Contemporary Policing. This is an anthology that I put together. Um, I'm editing it and have contributed a story. And uh, all of the contributors are either current or former law enforcement in some capacity. And my goal here really was just to show different slices of the humanity of that job, uh, including the people that the officers interact with in an effort to be part of the ongoing conversation about contemporary policing. I think it's a many-faceted subject, and a lot of the areas uh, don't always get explored by a lot of the people having the conversations uh, on all sides of the conversation. So in addition to just being some great crime fiction stories uh, that I've managed to assemble here, there's a bit of an opportunity to gain some understanding as well. At least that's my hope. This anthology contains stories from a lot of people who have been on the show and some who will be in the future, including A.B. Patterson, Colin Conway, Jim Doherty, P.S. Harmon, J.J. Hensley, Mark Bergen, Scott Kakawa, James Latwell, Elizabeth Wynn, and that's a debut story from her, Pearson O'Mara, Stacey Woodson, Eric Gernay, and Quentin Peterson. Uh, I have a story in there as well. And uh, that is on sale now for pre-order. 
uh, it'll be out on April 15th. So pay your taxes and pick up this anthology. All right, I want to say a big thank you to Susan Wingate, not only for coming on the show and being a great guest, but for having me on her show earlier this year. Uh, she's a gracious host and a wonderful person. Check out her work. Thanks also to David Temple, Matt Coyle, Kevin Tipple, and Scotty Andrews for shooting out some great book recommendations for you. Uh, same thing to Lance Wright at Down and Out Books, uh, as well as uh, for being the sponsor of the show. And as always, to you, the listener, thanks for giving your time to this program and listening to these fine authors as they come on to talk about their work. I hope you're discovering people uh, you didn't know before or learning more about people you already knew and liked. I'll be back next episode with short story goddess Barb Goffman. And uh, that was a fun interview, and I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, that's next week on Wrong Place, Right Crime. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you gotta be in the wrong place to write crime. <laughs>